Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to episode number 119 of The Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? This is Chris Tripodi, and I'm joined by Tony Pauline, as always. And we've got another treat for you on this week's show. We'll be joined by Dayton Flyers tight end Adam Troutman, who recently made waves at the Senior Bowl down in Mobile, Alabama. Get excited. That's for sure. I mean, if you listen to our podcast, if you read my information over at Pro Football Network, you know we basically gushed over Troutman for three days at Senior Bowl practice because he did such a spectacular job each and every day. I got to spend some time with his uh, college coach in the Players Hotel. I was introduced to his offensive coordinator, so I got to speak with both of them for a while. And I actually got to meet his parents uh, at the practice. I got to spend some time speaking with his dad. Uh, terrific people, great story. You know, the fact that he's coming from, you know, what is a mini, mini division one school, if you will, uh, now looks like he's going to be graded as the top senior tight end uh, for the 2020 draft is, is just an outstanding story in and of by itself, because uh, coming into the year, Trout was great as a late round pick. Absolutely. And this is something we don't do a lot on the podcast. We don't talk about NFL games too often, but we are going to take a quick look at last weekend's Super Bowl, make it brief. The Niners were up 20 to 10, heading into the fourth quarter. Kansas City ripped off 21 unanswered points in a big time fourth quarter comeback. It was really a pretty good game overall. I'd say one of the more enjoyable Super Bowls in recent memory. Would you agree, Tony? Well, I mean, I think it was an exciting game. It was a lot of turnovers. I thought there was some bad, there was some good play, but I thought there was some bad play. But you know what? Listen, Kansas City has owned the month of January, and I guess we'll, we'll call it the first weekend of February, where the fact that when it looked like they were down and out and their season was going to come to an end, you know, they found new life. They found uh, a second life, a second wind, if you will, and it ended up in winning the Super Bowl on Sunday. Absolutely. And obviously it was a team effort. Patrick Mahomes brought them back, but a lot of players did things leading in. I mean, Chris Jones on that Garoppolo interception got into the backfield almost immediately to disrupt that play. He's the reason that turnover happened. Damian Williams had a big game. And speaking of Damian Williams, a lot of people felt he was more deserving of the Super Bowl MVP than Patrick Mahomes, who if we're being honest, Mahomes was fine. The first three quarters didn't have his best effort, but obviously showed up in the fourth quarter when it mattered the most, when the lights shined the brightest. And as a result, he got the MVP. Also, we all know that quarterbacks tend to get those awards if there's not a landslide winner elsewhere. What did you think of Mahomes winning the MVP? And did you think Damian Williams had any argument? I thought, I, I thought a lot of guys had argument. I mean, it's always going to go to the uh, going to go to the quarterback. I, I thought, you know, you really, if you want to look at a defensive player, you mentioned Chris Jones, who made multiple impact plays. Uh, there weren't turnovers, but they were they caused turnovers and they caused the change of downs. Uh, I was very impressed with with the way he played. Uh, but you know, it's usually the guys that carry the ball, the guys that handle the ball. And in recent years, the guys that throw the ball that wins the MVP. Uh, you know, I thought some of the offensive linemen played well. I thought Joe Staley uh, of San Francisco played really well up until the very end. Uh, obviously, you're not going to give it to a team that lost. But it, it shouldn't be uh, unexpected. I, I thought Chris Jones played an exceptional game. Uh, didn't have sacks. You know, what was, wasn't a guy who was relentless behind the line of scrimmage, but just made a lot of big plays in that game. 
Absolutely. And when San Francisco had that lead at the end of the third quarter, you'd be hard pressed to tell me that the MVP wasn't somebody who was at the senior bowl last season. And that was wide receiver Debo Samuel. I mean, he was making plays in the passing game, running on ends around. They really made it a point to get the ball in his hands as one of their better playmakers. And as we talk about Troutman on this show, and we're going to talk to him about his senior bowl experience just one year ago, that was Debo Samuel. Yeah, and Debo Samuel it was a guy who a lot of people thought should have gone in the first round, uh, but San Francisco swiped him up early in round two. Uh, I also like the way Kyle Juzic played, another, uh, another senior bowl uh, alumnus. Uh, I thought if San Francisco had won and if he got that ball across the goal line where he was stopped just short, uh, he may have been in the conversation for MVP as well. At fullback, uh, uh, never mind that. Yeah, and I mean, two touchdowns really would have uh, sealed that up, I think, for him. But things happened as they did. Kansas City came back. Mahomes got the glory. And obviously, he's an ascending young player who we're going to be talking a lot about in the years to come. We'll move on here to something that we do discuss often, and that you could say, unfortunately for us, is the New York Jets. Tony reported on Tuesday that the Jets have interest in Maryland running back Anthony McFarland. Obviously, Le'Veon Bell and Adam Gase had their differences last season, kind of a square peg and a round hole type of situation. McFarland, though, a much better fit with Gase and how he wants to run his offense. The Jets do have two third-round picks, Tony, as you mentioned. Is this a match made in heaven? I mean, it looks it. And, you know, square peg, round hole is the exact way I describe the Le'Veon Bell signing uh, by the New York Jets right after it happened, when all, I had all the conversations about McCagney being fired, et cetera, et cetera. We know where that went, especially if you were listening to these podcasts. Uh, because as someone told me, you know, at the time, Le'Veon Bell, as we saw last year, is more of an interior power gap runner, and Adam Gase runs an outside zone scheme running game, which is why there was a big push for Kevin Coleman last year. Obviously, they went with Le'Veon Bell. A lot of speculation that after they uh, after the Anthony Barr incident and after they didn't sign uh, uh, the center from uh, Denver, uh, the, the owner came down and said, you know, we got to try and rectify some things. We got to try and, and salvage a free agency, go out and get Le'Veon Bell. And Le'Veon Bell, I thought, acquitted himself well, but he's not a good fit. As far as McFarland's concerned, I'm told the Jets really like him a lot at this point in the process. And my feeling is they're probably going to like him even more after the combine because the guy's going to run super fast. Super fast, I believe, is going to be in the low four fours, maybe the high four threes. And, you know, he's a guy who can create his own yardage. He has a speed and quickness to turn the corner. He's a terrific runner in space. He also he gives a lot of effort on the inside. He doesn't shy away from contact. He doesn't go down without a fight. He's also a real good pass catcher out of the backfield. So match made in heaven could very well be. Now, as promised, we will talk to Adam Troutman in just a minute. But before we do, a word from our sponsor. Breaking news. This important PSA is brought to you by Manscaped.com. After more than 18 months of research and development, the Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the greatest below-the-belt trimmer ever. This new trimmer was just released only moments ago, and we are the first to confirm the new and improved Lawn Mower 3.0 Manscaping trimmer is now available for purchase. Get 20% off. And free shipping with the code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com if you use the code B-L-E-A-V and try out their Lawnmower 3.0. And we are back, and we are absolutely privileged to be joined by tight end Adam Troutman from Dayton, a name many casual draft fans 
may not have known before his outstanding week in Mobile, Alabama at this year's Reese's Senior Bowl, but now he is on everybody's radar, whether you're a scout, a fan, whoever you are, you know who Adam Troutman is. Adam, welcome to the Draft Analyst, and it's great to have you on. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me on. Adam, thanks for coming on. Uh, it was a joy watching at the Senior Bowl. While I was out there, I got to meet your college coach, mm-hmm. got to meet your uh, offensive coordinator, who your college coach gave uh, tons of praise for your development. Also got to meet your parents, got to speak with your dad at length about uh, your high school days, so, which we'll touch on. So, again, thanks for joining us. No, absolutely. Thank you, guys. And Tony gave me a great segue into that. You know, we'll focus back quickly on the high school days before you were playing college football. You grew up in northern Michigan, Williamsburg, to be exact. Mm -hmm. Not exactly a football hotbed that people know or scouts are flocking to. You were a quarterback in high school, though. Only 175 pounds after your junior year, though. What was the feeling of knowing that, hey, I'm a baller, I can play, but I'm not being heavily recruited because of where I play and my weight? Yeah, you know, it was – it was kind of disappointing um, just to know like the kind of work that you had put in and, and all that kind of stuff to, to not get that, um, to not get the, the praise, I guess, or the, the attention that you should have. But um, obviously I knew where I was when I was 175 pounds, I knew that I was not uh, close into my development to being a legitimate college uh, prospect. But by my senior year, I was 215 and um playing really well. We finally switched to a spread offense from a triple option. So just getting exposure to that. Um, you know, I felt like I was ready to, uh, you know, show what I could do to, to all the college coaches and still, you know, very few wanted to even take a chance, um, you know, even less of a chance for them to even make the trip up to Northern Michigan, especially in the winter. So, um, I mean, honestly, it happened for the better. I was placed in a great situation with great coaches and everything like that at Dayton. Um, so honestly, I'm glad it happened that way. And it's also, you know, is another thing that I can use as an edge um, that I've carried throughout uh, my whole high school career and college career, um, you know, to, to use it as motivation and really lean on that to, to keep me moving forward. Now, another edge you had is you did play some basketball in high school. You were first team all county. And as you know, anybody who follows the NFL knows mm-hmm. the tight end position, lots of basketball backgrounds there, whether it's Antonio Gates or Tony Gonzalez or lots of other guys. There's a long list of basketball players who made the transition to tight end. Obviously, you can play some basketball as well. What position did you play on the hardwood? And how do you feel that background helped you out on the football field? Yeah, so I played, uh, I played the four um even though I was I think I was yeah I was the tallest kid in the conference um other than our center who plays at Ferris State right now he's like six nine so we actually the two tallest kids in the conference and I played the four um but really especially in that position that I was placed in always being on the boards and underneath the rim and all that kind of stuff um really the high pointing of the bat of basketball and the rebound you know helps obviously high pointing of football and going up in crowds and making catches in traffic and then body positioning, you know, using your big frame uh, that you have against smaller defenders. And then third, and I think is super important is really the close quarters agility on a basketball court. You know, it's much tighter than in football and being quick and being um, really developing that reactive aspect of your game uh, was huge. So those three things I think are the the main things that I took from basketball and used uh, as a tight end. I got to ask you real quick. Grew up in northern Michigan, 175 pounds. Did you play any hockey? I actually did not. No. Um, no, we, we had one hockey team for like the entire area. 
and it was during basketball season, so absolutely not. But that was a, that and lacrosse were two sports that I do wish I would have at least had a shot at, I guess. But my skating skills aren't very solid. I'm the guy that goes around on with the uh, like the metal pole kind of thing, I guess, and just like has to put his weight on it to keep himself up. So hockey's not really in my arsenal, I'm sure. There you go. All right. Uh, now, tell us how you ended up in Dayton. I'm just wondering if there was any interest from any of the Big Ten or MAC schools. And even if there wasn't any interest from those schools, did you ever consider, say, walking on to a, a school in the MAC or, or a Big Ten type school and, and playing at, you know, just a, a higher Division One A level, if you would? Yeah. So, really, my, my focus in the recruiting process was to find schools that academics were were taken very seriously um academics are super important to myself but also my family as well and um i mean that really narrowed my search especially with obviously no fbs no really fbs consideration or interest so dayton cornell and harvard were my three really from fcs um also talked to missouri science technology but uh my main interest was in those three schools so obviously i ultimately decided to go to dayton um, but FBS wise, uh, the only time I ever met with any like coach or whatever that would come through the school in Northern Michigan was because they were visiting someone else at another school and my head coach knew them or something like that. So they were just doing it as kind of like, a like being nice to my head coach kind of visit, I guess you could say. But, um, Michigan state was the only one that kind of was like, gave me like a, uh, I guess in a way like a preferred, but it was not like very non-committal and like they didn't seem very excited obviously about it so I was kind of like all right I'm not like there's no way I'm wasting my time with that um so yeah that's that's kind of how my recruiting process went down so obviously you redshirted in 2015 your first year at Dayton you moved to tight end after that in 2016 you made seven starts that year your first year at a new position also got some work in at slot receiver wildcat quarterback what was the transition like for you moving from a position you played your entire life, mm -hmm. learning another one on the fly and really being thrown into the fire right away? Yeah. So obviously it's different, but um, playing quarterback really, if you go move into any other position than quarterback, um, the game really slows down for you because as quarterback, you have to worry about every single moving part on the offense and all that kind of stuff. But when you get moved to a position, you know, like tight end, you're like, wow, like this is my responsibility. Like I know what I'm doing and I know what the guy next to me is doing. The receiver out here is doing with his route depth or however long it's taking him to get off press or that kind of stuff. Like you don't have to worry about as much. Now, the way I'm wired is like, I love to know what's going on. So um, all the coverage tilts with the safeties and rolling of, of them. And then obviously being able to pick up blitzes and, and understand what's coming if the front sets this way and the linebackers are met, lined up here, all that kind of stuff. Like, that translated entirely and it slowed the game down so much for me as a tight end that the transition was um, especially easy from an athletic standpoint, route running. Obviously the blocking thing, it was something I had never done before because I was a quarterback. So, um, but I knew with like the way I work and, and the coaches that I did have um, for my last three, five years, um, I knew that I could pick it up and, and be, and be good at it and eventually develop it to where it's one of my mainstays and, and why I think I am a complete tight end. You know, it's funny that you talk about how moving from quarterback to tight end, the game kind of slowed down and you got to see things better. I don't know if you know the name of Jay Remersburg, 
But Jay Remersmer was a former quarterback who turned to tight end, uh, became a tight end in Michigan. He didn't run that well. He, he was drafted much later than you're going to be drafted. Uh, he was drafted in the seventh round. Went on to have like a 12-year career wow. with the uh, Buffalo Bills. So it, it, it's you know fascinating listening to hear you talk about how things kind of slowed down you know, when you moved out to tight end well, compared to the quarterback position. Uh, because, you know, some guys who have made that transition have done it successfully, Marimas were, uh, being one of them. But, but getting back to, you, you know, your days at Dayton, you continue to develop really from your uh, freshman season. You had a team leading 537 receiving yards as a sophomore, mm-hmm. the nine touchdown catches as a junior, which also led the team. You basically blew the roof off the house this year with 70 receptions, 916 yards, and 14 TDs. What do you attribute – the biggest key for your year in and year out uh, improvement. Yeah. So that's something I took great pride in was ab- my game absolutely looking much more improved and different from year to year. And really, I, I mean, starting with coaches and people that, you know, really taught me how to play the game and everything like my offensive coordinator, who's now the assistant offensive line coach for the Raiders. Um, he was uh, huge in my development Um Obviously, he, he his game planning was ridiculously what, great. Like, we scored 42 and a half points a game this year as an offense. It led the FCS. Like, that's that's game planning, and that's 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 having an OC who's better than the defensive coordinators that you play against. Um, so huge credit to him. Um, and like him just telling me, sitting me down, my retros off where you're gonna be like, hey man, like you can do this thing. Like I'm gonna give you everything that you need, like opportunity wise. You just gotta like go out and you gotta do it like yourself and. And I really took that like to heart and took it seriously. And, and really that's, that's what I attribute a lot of my development to. And then obviously just the way I'm wired, the way I was raised by my family and my parents, um, just to go be great at, at what you do and, and wake up with a purpose every day, you know, success is measured daily. Um, and that's really something that um, I hold very close to myself and, and that I try to, you know, go out and practice every day. Um, and really, that's what I followed, and that's what I did all summer, and um, just working on little techniques and little nuances of blocking and route running and everything. And I think it, it obviously showed up this year in, in my film and at the Senior Bowl too. Now, as someone who obviously wasn't heavily recruited, changed positions, really had to kind of develop from the ground up, NFL scouts aren't going to be all over you from say your sophomore year on. When did you start noticing some scouts in the stands? And when you saw them, did you know that they were there to watch you? Yeah, so I actually didn't have any – like there was no – there were no scouts or anything until um, this past spring was the first time they showed up, just going doing their spring visits and um, tested well in front of them and measured – my measurables obviously were were good and checked off. So, um, yeah, they, they right after that visit, they they told me like, "Hey, man, you're gonna be a busy guy this this fall. Like, there's gonna be a lot of guys coming in here to see you." And I was like, "Like, awesome, you know, like that that's sweet." Like, but kind of like I'll believe it when I see it. Like, you know, it's Dayton, Ohio, University of Dayton. Like, we never had that kind of thing. And um, yeah, believe it or not, like first first day of camp, there were six different teams on the sidelines, like there for practice. And I was like, "All right, like, yeah, no, this is this is this is real." So. Um, obviously, I noticed them all throughout the season, um, especially with all every single team coming through eventually and the 98 total scout visits. But um, it's not going to change the way – it never changed the way I practice or the way I view things. You know, I always kept the same mindset that I always had. You trust what got you to this point. So, um, but, yeah, I, I definitely obviously, obviously noticed them. 
Now, entering your season, your, your senior season, scouts really the spring before your senior season uh, gave you a, a six round grade. Mm-hmm. Were you aware of this? Did you have any conversations about this grade with either scouts or w- with your dad, with your coaches? Were you basically, you know, aware as to this is what scouts think you're going to be the grade that they had given you moving forward? I was aware of it because in the summer when agents started contacting me, um, obviously they had that information from uh, the scouts and all the database stuff, you know, like however that stuff works. But um, yeah, they, they let me know what they think. And um, especially my agent now, you know, he told me, but um, obviously he saw it, the ceiling that I have and the potential that I have. And, um, you know, obviously he knew that it wasn't going to be the the ending projection. And uh, the goal was always to be, you know, greater than that. So, but yes, I, I was aware of that. Let me ask one last thing. Did you participate in junior timing day? And I guess it must've been March of 2019. Uh, no, I did not. They just came by uh, Dayton actually on their, their visits. And it was just me like with those two, the two scouts that were there. So, so that you didn't do any sort of uh, measurements or anything like that for a junior timing day. I did. I did measurements and everything, but it wasn't like there was a, I don't know what a junior timing day is. Is that like when there's a lot of people, well, you know, there's usually a couple of scouts and, and they'll get an official height, official yes, weight, yes, official sorry, arm, sorry. official hand. Yes. And, it's, and then sometimes they'll ask you to run a 40. A lot of guys don't run the 40 because they're not in shape. They're not prepared, but sometimes they will run the 40. No, yeah, that, that's exactly what happened to me. Yes, sir. Yeah. Got it. Now, obviously, you developed throughout your college career and with any development, especially one that rapid, there's people that are going to help you get there. Now, you mentioned your offensive coaches. Was it just them? Were there any other possibly players or any other coaches on staff that had a big impact on helping you get to the point you're at right now? Yeah, I mean, really everyone in the program, you know, from obviously teammates, they, they push you and they want, they want to get the best out of you. Um, but, I mean, it, it goes throughout the whole, the whole program from, like, the director of football operations, um, our athletic trainers, our strength and conditioning staff. Like, they understood um, – and they want, they knew what I could be. So really, I mean, I was obviously the one being, being self-starting and, and going after them and being like, Hey man, like I, I want to do this, like show me how to do it. And I'll like, I'll do what you say, like just show me what to do. And, and they, they were always there for me and, and helped me out. So, I mean, it's a, it's a huge credit to the entire program. You know, the success that I'm having is, is entirely tied throughout it all. So really, really everyone attributed in a way. You know, let me just say, I, I didn't try and uh, corner Adam when I said junior time, timing day. It's been known or it's been called junior timing day for years now. But the fact is, is 99% of the juniors don't run. They don't they don't time in the 40 like they used to uh, uh, 10, 15 years ago. So uh, didn't mean, to, uh, didn't mean to, to kind of trip you up there. Oh, you're fine. Uh, it, it's been called the junior time day. Let's move on to the senior bowl. You know, senior bowl director Jim Nagy said, last September that there was a good chance that Adam Troutman would be invited to the game, which is probably the most important pre-draft scouting event. Mm-hmm. Obviously after the season that you had, you became a lock to go uh, to that game. So before the, the weeks and even the months, months since you got that invitation to the senior bowl, what were you uh, looking forward to the most? I mean, was it the yeah. jump in the competition? Was it the fact that you were going to be playing against the top, you know, uh, senior talent in the nation from a, a small school like Dayton? Yeah, I mean, definitely I was looking forward to the competitive side of it. Um, that's something I feed off of is the competitiveness um, that I grew up with with my two brothers and, 
and really what I've been around my whole life, you try to create those competitive environments and, and there's no better way to, uh, you know, show that competitive fire than against the top seniors in the country. And, and yes, it was something I've, I've been looking forward to ever since I got the invite, obviously season, I was super focused on that and everything, but, um, you know, it's in the back of your mind. You're like, Hey man, like I, I got this opportunity, um, really to, sh to show what I can do. And, and for me, it was important because I wanted to get rid of, you know, that asterisk next to my name in every single sky report, like they, they, you know, they project me at this or whatever, but it's like, um, you know, but asterisks or like warning, you know, like this kid played against, you know, in a conference where they don't have offer athletic scholarships and all that kind of stuff. And, and really what I wanted to do is wipe that out and, or at least, you know, get rid of it in a way. And, and I believe with my, my performance, the senior bowl, I, I absolutely did that. Um, so hopefully, you know, NFL personnel will, will start to look past that. Yeah. I'd say you're not the only person who feels that way. I mean, I know Tony and I thought that I know there are a lot of other people that felt like you were the most impressive tight end down there. So obviously you did a great job really putting yourself on the radar and, you know, making people take notice of you when you left mobile after the game, mm -hmm. what's the one thing that was at the forefront of your mind that you were thinking heading out of the senior bowl? Um, really, I was, I was, I mean, I, to be honest, I was, I was very happy, happy with how, how it all, it all went down. Um, and really it just, it just goes to show you too, like how much you relied on your hard work and, and everything you've been taught. And like, I literally just went out there and, and used what, like exactly that, like the work I put in and how I've been taught. And I went out there and felt, uh, really relied on my techniques and, and that's what happened. Like, I just, I just played really well and I was really happy to see everything that I've been taught translate. Um, so yeah, that, that's what was on my mind. And then obviously like, not only was, I mean, I was, I've always been a confident guy in my abilities and everything, but after that week I was like, you know, this, this is, this is, this stuff isn't any different. You know, kids are, kids are, cl kids close a little faster in the past game. And then guys are a little bigger, more stout in the run game, but you know, there's not really that much of a difference. Um, so I, I was very happy um, coming out of the week for sure. And you should be, I mean, because I, I've been to all senior bowl practices since 2000. And the one thing you want to see with guys who play at the senior bowl is you want to see them be good every day in practice, because what happens is some guys will be good on the first day. Mm -hmm. Some guys will be good on the first and second day. Some guys won't be good until the third day. And what Adam Troutman did at the senior bowl was he was really good every day and he showed improvement in certain areas every day, or he surprised, you know, you could see the blocking, the route running. It was good in all aspects uh, throughout the three major senior bowl padded practices. But, you know, one thing about the senior bowl, we talk about the practices and everybody focuses on the practices. The past 10 years, team interviews at the senior bowl have become as important in many instances, in many ways as the on the field practice because what happens is teams get those combine interviews out of the way. They don't, they, instead of interviewing guys at the combine, which, you know, could take up a lot of time, they do it at the, at the senior bowl where it's a little bit more laid back. It's a little bit more leisurely. And sometimes they have uh, more time with these guys. So I got a two part question for you. Mm -hmm. How many interviews did you take part in at the senior bowl where it wasn't a one-on-one -on -one interview with a scout? You were maybe talking to two or three guys from the organization. Yeah, I'd probably say around um, eight of those, probably where it was more than eight, eight to ten, maybe where it was more than one, one scout in the room, and there were two to three guys, or there were four or five, maybe. I mean, there were somewhere there was like ten guys in a room. So, um, 
Yeah, about the eight to ten. If there's ten guys in the room, you know that team has got a big interest in you. <laughs> well, I <laughs> now, hope so, absolutely. Yeah. I'm not going to ask you the team, mm-hmm. but what was the strangest question that you were asked during these interviews? Yeah, so I wasn't really asked um, like too strange of, of questions. Um, I'm sure, they'll they'll come out a little more at the combine with those. But the one thing was um, like I was. I was talking about my background and like how I wasn't heavily recruited. And it was like, after I told him that I'd thrown on like 40 pounds basically for my junior senior year. And I was playing in spread, ran really well in camps and then summer and everything, but still no one took a chance. And one of the scouts looks at me and he just goes, so you like, you must've sucked then. And I was like, what? Like, (laughs) it was kind of like a, he was trying to throw me off, but it was just kind of like, you know, respond with, uh, you know, like you can only control what you can control. So um, that was probably like the most, I guess, shocking. It was more of a statement than a question, but that's that's probably what it was for me. Sort of a rhetorical question. Yes, absolutely. So, Adam, give us a scouting report on yourself as you're kind of ending the college career and preparing for the draft. First off, what would you say are your biggest strengths as a player? Yeah, I say number one, um, relentlessness and, and how hard I play. Uh, I've always, I've always relied on that, um, you know, to, to drive me and everything that I do, but that for sure, um, catching traffic, you know, catching a crowd, strong hands, definitely another one. And then obviously athleticism and then the ability to get in and out of breaks and set up guys in a certain way, um, when they're playing man and just, just really the, the mental side of it too. I think I have a huge advantage in that. Like I mentioned it being a pro style offense and having all the different alerts, kills and, pre-cades, motions, all that kind of stuff, being exposed to that, I think that's definitely a huge advantage as well and a huge part of my game. Now, what part of your game would you say needs the most attention? Yeah, I'd say just consistency in the run game. Um, just just doing the same thing, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's plays where it's like, wow, like that was really good. Like that looks legitimate, like NFL starting trait as a run blocker. And then sometimes it's like, hmm, I don't know what he was doing. Um, on that, like that one wasn't as great. So it's just being consistent and showing that those traits as an NFL run blocker um, in every single rep and every single thing that I do. Um, so that's huge. And then, and then pad level, I, I come, sometimes I'm high in my breaks or going into my breaks and maybe that'll trigger a DB just to give himself a half a second more to break, especially obviously in NFL separation is not as big as it is as it was in college. So um pad level and then obviously pad level in the run game as well. Just, just being low and, and playing with low hands and, and all that kind of stuff. You know, you talk about your route running and getting separation. One of the things that I wrote about uh, was the speed you came out of your breaks. I mean, you were basically as quick exiting breaks as you were getting into them. And that is something major, especially for a guy that's 260 pounds. Now, let me ask you something. Senior bowl's over. Obviously, the next big event is the combine, which you're going to be at in about uh, three weeks' time, probably a little bit less than three weeks. Where are you preparing for the combine right now? Yeah, I'm out uh, preparing in uh, Irvine, California, with my agency, Rep One Sports. And uh, it's a really cool setup. Uh, We're one of the few agencies in the entire country that actually has the workout facility inside of the agency. Like, our agency is on the second floor of the building, and then – Sports Science Lab, um, which is the place we use to train, is on the first floor of the building. So, um, super great, uh, I guess, situation with that. And then, I mean, really why, why I chose Rep 1, um, you know, these, these guys, 
it's obviously the pre-draft process is super important and everything like that, like the combine, this and that, like the senior bowl and everything. But I wanted to choose a place where it set me up for a, like success in a career and help me play the longest. So the position coaches that they, that they provide us with out here are insanely uh, and were insanely great at what they did. We got Ricky Proles, our receivers coach. Dude played for 17 years and coached for five for the Panthers. Um, and he coached one of the years when they went to the Super Bowl. And then Paul Alexander, the longtime Cincinnati Bengals offensive line coach, he was out here for six days or in early January. And he's actually coming out this next week to, to work with us again. And then uh, the full-time offensive line coach out here is Zane Beatles. He just retired um, like a year ago. So he's fresh out of the NFL. And, um, yeah, this the situation I'm in uh, – is is awesome and definitely going to lean on lean on other coaching and knowledge to help me uh, not only in this pre-draft process but in my career. You know those guys you mentioned, Pro and Zane Beatles. Those are guys who uh, really uh, out of college, uh, guys who just over overachieved, uh, guys who got the most from their ability. I remember scouting Ricky Pro coming out of Wake Forest, and everyone thought that uh, you know. You know, who knows? He's going to be a late round pick. He's going to be a guy that bounces from team to team. And no, he was just productive because, mm-hmm. you know, he, he got the most from his ability. So that, that's good to hear that you're working with those guys. What numbers are you hoping to hit during testing, specifically things like 40 time, 10 split, bench, vert? What are your goals heading in? Yeah, so 40, um, I want to hit high 4-6. I know I can hit high 4-6. Um, if that trickles down into mid 4-6, I will be more than happy with that. But um, definitely. High four six range, so four six seven four six eight. Um, I'd love to hit around that. Um, shuttle will be uh, in the four one range. Should be, um, you know, and then like bench. I want to hit twenty reps. Uh, vertical thirty three thirty four inches, hopefully. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just getting ready for it all. We're gonna start like testing to see where we're at for these next two weeks before um, while we're training just so we can pinpoint certain things. But um, yeah, obviously looking, looking forward to getting out there and, and really backing up my, my words that I just spoke with the goals. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, now the combine's over. You're going to be heading back to California for a bit of training uh, before pro day. Uh, has uh, a date been set for a Dayton's pro day yet? I actually do not know where I'm doing my pro day yet it is going to be either at Dayton, Ohio State, or Cincinnati. Um, I'm still figuring that out right now with my agent, so uh, not sure yet. But um, I will be in Dayton uh, whenever it is a week before the pro day. Whenever it's set, I'm going to go back to Dayton because I got to be there through the whole draft, um, the rest of the draft process for individual workouts and and all that kind of stuff. So I'll, obviously, I'll be there for the for the draft as well, and then get drafted. Um, you can go with a leave straight from Dayton to whatever city I, I get taken. See, and, and he beat me to the next part of my question, which was, were you going to try and get into a different pro day? So uh, not only do you have great anticipation skills uh, on the field, you can read my mind if any uh, NFL people are out there are listening to. And, right. you know, you mentioned, you mentioned Cincinnati. Cincinnati's got a terrific tight end and Josh DeGura, who was out at the uh, Senior Bowl. Ohio State always brings in a huge crowd mm-hmm. of scouts especially with all the uh, receivers, all the pass catches that they have, as, as well as uh, Dobbins, J.K. Dobbins. Oh, yeah. So I, I think uh, either of those uh, pro days would be beneficial uh, for you to attend. Obviously, as, uh, as your, your agency knows, sometimes the NCAA gets in the way of things. So hopefully uh, that'll be all figured out for you. 
No, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Do you have a preference on whether you'd rather do it at Dayton or one of those other schools? Um, I mean, doing it at Dayton would obviously be awesome because we've never had a pro day and all that kind of stuff. So, so that would be just kind of like a feel good thing, but obviously I want to be put in the best situation um, for success on, on that day. Cause it is so very important. So uh, don't have a preference wherever, I guess sets me up best for success is, is where I'll do it. I'm sure there'd be a huge crowd of Dayton there as well to watch you during pro day because they probably would never, uh, never get a chance to see that many scouts from the NFL or NFL teams on campus. No. Yeah. They would, they would eat that up. They would, they would absolutely love that. So. And Adam, we absolutely love chatting with you today. Really learned a lot about what makes you as a player, what makes you as a person and what makes you unique. Hopefully our listeners got all that as well. It was truly a pleasure. And, and thank you again for, for joining us on this week's show. Thank you guys. I appreciate it a lot. Adam, thanks for coming on. You know, uh, I, I said it, as we entered the uh, senior bowl that a lot of teams around the league were rating you as a second round pick and, mm-hmm. and grading you as the top senior tight end in the 2020 draft. So hopefully that all comes true for you. And, and in the end, I'll look like a genius, but hopefully we'll be able to hook up. Uh, we'll be able to hook up sometime out the combine. I know I'll be seeing the rep one guys and chase and hanging out with them. So hopefully we'll get to meet face to face. Absolutely. I look forward to it. And that's it for the 119th episode of the draft analysts presented by the believe sports podcast network. Do you believe if you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to ask us questions on Twitter that we'd be happy to answer on the show. Another special thanks goes out to Dayton's Adam Troutman for joining us on this week's episode. We hope you all enjoyed the interview as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you. On behalf of Tony Pauline, I'm Chris Tripodi. Good night. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.